You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome to the show, everybody. If this is your first time tuning in, my name is John Hudspeth, and I will be your host on this little endeavor here. For those of you who have been uh, following along, welcome back. I'm glad you're here. Pull up a chair, and let's have a great show today. Spring has sprung. It is beautiful outside. It's still We're kind of in that time of year where it's like you need to turn the heater on in the morning, but by the afternoon, you're turning the AC on. Um, beautiful time of year. The sun's been shining. Everything's greening up. Uh, it's kind of weird. It seems like we have a, a early spring and a late spring kind of all at the same time. We, we keep having some random cold fronts. We overall, we haven't got a ton of rain. It seems once again, like it only wants to rain on the weekends and we'll get into that in just a second. But, uh, Man, it's just an exciting time of year. Uh, habitat, I hope your habitat work is in full swing. I hope you're getting ready to kill some turkeys. It's prime fishing time. It's prime shed hunting time. It's just a great overall time to be out in the woods and enjoying God's creation out on the water. Whatever it is that you like to do outside, it is a great time to be doing it. And uh, yeah, we talked turkeys last week. We've been talking fishing and another season kind of snuck up on me that I'd forgotten about that I want to cover today. Um, it is tag season, preference point season, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. I feel like I'm a little bit late on some states, but not too late on a bunch of other states. And so, again, it kind of snuck up on me. But uh, today I just want to talk about draw tags and preference points, both here in Oklahoma and out west, we're not going to cover every single state because almost every single state in the country has some kind of draw system for, you know, one thing or the other. And so we can't cover every single one. But, you know, a lot of people just don't know how to do it. It is, I admit, like it is very intimidating. It took me a long time to figure all these things out. 
And honestly, like a lot of states just don't have a lot of the information on their website or they do have it, but it's hard to find. And so, like I said, we're not going to cover every single state, but I want to pick some of the more popular states and and some states that are just a good example. And I just want to go through kind of how you do it, what they offer, um, what you should be looking for the different types of point systems, and all that good stuff. And so I've been putting in for several different, uh, well, just several different tags in several different states. And so um, I wouldn't say I'm an expert on it by any means, but I have figured out the rigmarole with a bunch of these states. And so I just want to help you guys out, give you guys the confidence to at least go out there and you know do some research yourself and try it. Try it. So, yeah, uh, but before we jump into that, I have to give you guys a little update. I talked last week a lot about my trip to Texoma this last weekend, my fishing trip. Took the boat out. It was the first, like, true fishing trip that I took. Uh, A good buddy of mine went out, and uh, I told you guys my goal was to catch one fish. Well, after spending about four hours on the water, uh, my buddy and I, between the two of us, caught zero fish (laughs) we got zero goose egg uh man i just like i just haven't done much fishing in lakes and uh what what really hurt us was uh i'd found this cove uh it was i wouldn't call it a river channel but it was like a big long cove um where you know a creek fed into the lake definitely not a a river but a creek and uh, i was like man i think this is gonna be our spot i think we can find some fish as we were headed up into it, we saw some guys kind of out in the middle. Looked like they were probably striper fishing, maybe catfishing or something. And uh, I was like, man, this is just going to be the spot. I should have known that it was a beautiful Saturday afternoon and nobody was all the way back in this cove. That should have been a hint. Uh, but we start fishing and, and we're seeing fish jump. And we're like, man, like why aren't we catching these? And and we saw some shad jumping out of the water. We're like, obviously, there's fish chasing these shad. And we're casting, casting, and switching our baits and trying all these different techniques. And uh, finally, I see this fish jump pretty close to the boat. And I could tell it was a big old carp. And I was like, man, are we chasing carp right now? And then not too long after that, I hear you know a splash and I turn and I can see a gar's back. A gar was going after something on top. And I was like, Kelly, we have been gar hold <laughs> yeah it was a real sandy kind of muddy nasty uh bay up in there and i think we were just chasing carp and gar that probably weren't going to bite our you know any of the lures and baits we were throwing at them and i just i don't think we were in as good of a spot as we had hoped and so we kind of figured that out and we had some time um, we did a little trolling, and then we were headed to a different part of the lake that uh, uh, I'd kind of scouted out on Onyx, and we see some clouds rolling in. And, man, I've been checking the weather for like two weeks for this upcoming weekend, and it was supposed to be beautiful, sunny skies, you know, great day. And then I checked the day before we left, and they'd put a bunch of rain in at like 3 or 4 o'clock. And so I was trying to figure out whether we needed to call it off or not, decided we'd wait and see what happens. Checked the weather the day of, this was Saturday, this last Saturday, and uh, it said the rain was supposed to hit about 8, and I was like, man, that's about when it gets dark. I think we can still go and squeeze some in, so so we still went, and uh, but we were headed to a different part of the lake, and it started to get cloudy, and I was like, man, maybe we shouldn't get too far away from the dock. And so we basically just kind of hung a left and went to the shore, hung the shore, h- hugged the shore, and started fishing, 
no luck. And then all of a sudden we start feeling some drops. And I'm like, Kelly, I think we need to go. So we pack everything up, start heading in. And it's it's not really, I, I guess it's a rain, you know, a very soft rain. And uh, we're kind of looking around. It's not real heavy. It's not real dark. And the rain stops. And uh, I was like, man, maybe we got lucky. Maybe that was it. So I pull up my phone, look at the radar. And it looked like most of the, the weather was to the north of us. And we talk about it for a second, and we're like, all right, we can catch some more fish. Or catch a fish. We haven't caught any yet. And I really wanted to. So we turn around, and uh, we start fishing again. And uh, uh, Kelly made a cast, and he got a little uh, a little uh, rat's nest in his reel. And he kind of was like, oh, man. And I, and I turned just to kind of see what was up. And back behind him, I see, like, a wall of rain. And I was like, Kelly, we got to go now. <laughs> so he pulled his bait in. And we took off, and it starts raining, and it starts raining harder and harder. We come out of the uh, around a corner and hit that open water, and the wind is is just crazy. The waves are picking up. So uh, we head up to the dock. Uh, Kelly jumps off to go back the truck in, and I'm out there trying to fight the waves, uh, waiting on him to get the trailer ready, and the waves are just getting bigger and bigger. And, man, I tell you what, if it wasn't for the fact that my trailer has uh, running boards on the side – I would not have got that boat uh, on the trailer. It was like, I mean, I came in at a pretty sharp angle fighting those waves, and I basically hit the running board, and it turned me, and gunned it, and it turned me enough that I got it on the trailer, and we got out safely. But, man, like, man, the uh, the guy we had on jug fishing, you know, he talked about it. Like, you got to be really careful out on Texoma because it's a big lake, and you really have to watch out. And we did not watch out. when I, I And I knew better. I've been on the lake, like, you know, when weather's coming in, you should not be out there. And uh, I didn't listen to my gut. Almost paid the price. But luckily, we made it off safe. Uh, zero fish. So I guess I didn't technically accomplish my goal. But uh, I'm not going to give up. Uh, I want to figure this out. I have no excuse. Uh, you know, I'm having these people on, talking to them. Uh, I'm kind of, I don't know, I almost feel like I'm going to have better luck when the spawn is over. Because I don't know where to go when the fish are spawning, when they're you know hitting up all these creeks and stuff, and I just don't have enough experience to find them. Um, so yeah, so if you guys know some great fishing spots, uh, hit me up on Instagram. Just send me some GPS locations or something, and I'll go try them out. Maybe I can catch some fish. Fish, but uh, but yeah. Anyway, that was my weekend. Uh, this coming weekend, uh, headed out to the ranch. Easter weekend, the whole family's coming up. Plan to do a little fishing um, this weekend. You know in the good old farm pond. So maybe I can actually catch something. Uh, I think we're wanting to throw some, um, some trot lines out in the river and just have a grand old time. And so hopefully one way or the other this weekend, I have much better luck <laughs> catching some fish of some kind. So anyway, that's about enough of the, uh, the personal updates. Uh, we're going to jump into this preference point stuff, guys. I hope you guys can hold on. Like I said, I'm going to break it down as simply as I possibly can. We're going to kind of take it state by state. I have a ton of notes typed up, and so yeah, just bear with me, and we're going to figure this out together. Like I said, I've been doing this for a few years. I am no expert, but I have, I do have some experience doing this, and so we're going to take it nice and slow. We're going to go through this, and we're going to get it done. So here we go. We are going to talk about. Draw tags and preference points. Alrighty, guys. Now, before we jump completely off the deep end, I do want to kind of talk about some terms and just give a general little overview of what we're looking at today. So, um, the first thing we're going to look at is a limited entry hunt, or Oklahoma likes to call them a controlled hunt. And this can be where there's either 
too many people that want to hunt a certain thing or a certain area. Or it could be some kind of special hunt, you know, uh, a military base that's trying to control the population or make a little cash, you know, something like that. And so it's basically a raffle. A controlled hunt, a limited entry hunt is basically a raffle. And so we're going to use the example of this, you know, whoever's running it, the state, uh, military base, whoever. Let's say that they decide that they can let 100 people uh, hunt in this area. But let's say there are a thousand people that want to hunt that area. What they would do is they would have a controlled hunt or a limited entry hunt. And so it, again, it's basically a raffle. So all thousand of those people who are trying to hunt there pay a little money and they would get their name put in that hat to who gets one of those tags. And so, you know, the day comes, they draw a hundred names out of the hat because they have a hundred tags and whoever they draw gets the tags. So, in a nutshell, like I said, that's a very, very simple. That is what a controlled hunt is. Uh, now, preference point, kind of the next part of that. Again, let's. And every state does a preference point different, and we're going to talk about that later. We're going to kind of go state by state. Um, but overall, typically a preference point just means an extra name in the hat putting your name in the hat an extra time. So in that same example, we got a hundred tags available. We got a thousand people putting in for them that first year, a hundred of those thousand drew the tag and there's 900 people who did not draw the tag. In most situations, those 900 people would then be awarded a preference point. So the next year rolls around and you have those same 900 people plus probably a few, you know, new people putting in for that same 100 tags, that 900 that tried the year before, they would have their one preference point plus their new uh, name in the hat, or whatever you want to call it, for that current year. So they would have their name in the hat twice for those same 100 tags. And so, you know, let's say that another uh, fresh 100 people uh, come in, so we have 1,000 people again. 900 of those people would then have two points, and the new 100 would only have one point because it's their first time putting in. Like I said, that's about as simple as I can make it. We're, we're going to talk about it some more and, and go through how the different states do it. Um, but just for this whole conversation, that's basically what we're talking about. They're tags that are rifled off, and preference points are putting your name in the hat multiple times. So since this is the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, I want to start with Oklahoma. Oklahoma, again, they call theirs controlled hunts. So if you go to the Oklahoma Wild, Wildlife Department's website and scroll down just a little bit, you'll see hunting regulations, fig, fishing regulations, uh, Oklahoma hunter education, and in that same little spot, you'll see controlled hunts. If you click on that, you'll be taken to the next page, and it'll have a bunch of information. And you'll see a little tab that says Controlled Hunt Application. And applications actually just open. They're open, as you're listening to this, they are currently open. And they are open until May 20th. And so you have some time to get on there and do some research. And again, you can apply for you know special tags like elk tags, pronghorn tags, stuff like that. Um, they have just certain hunts. You know, you can hunt on... You know, maybe they have a rifle hunt in a bow-only unit for a couple days, and you can draw a tag that you can get in there and hunt with a rifle. Um, all kinds of options like that. 
And so I'd really encourage you to get on there and look through the different options. To apply, you simply log into your account or create a new account if you need to. And once you're logged in, you'll see a nice little thing on the right side of the screen that says apply for controlled hunts. You simply just go through there, select the ones you want to uh, apply for, and they do limit you. I believe you're allowed to select five deer hunts, um, four elk hunts, and two antelope hunts, I believe. Um, it's been a, I haven't done it in a year. I haven't done it this year. Um, but, man, there are some really cool hunts on there. It's very simple. Uh, it's very affordable. I want to say it's like $10, and they just added a new choice this year. Uh, they added a preference point option. And so if, instead of actually applying for the tag, you know, let's say that you know financially or vacation days or whatever aren't going to work out this year and you know you can't go hunt, instead of actually applying for the hunt, you can just buy a preference point. And then that way next year when you apply, if you're able to apply, you have a better chance of drawing it. And so, again, even if you don't think you can go hunting this year, you can still get on there and apply for a preference point and that's going to help you in the future. So very, very simple. Uh, part of the reason I started with Oklahoma, obviously we're in Oklahoma, but two, it's just a very easy one to start with. Very simple, very straightforward. Now that the easy one's out of the way, we're going to get a little more advanced, all right? Now, most of the time, if you're looking into preference points or draw hunts, a lot of people, the first thing that comes to their mind is hunting out west. And again, that's where a lot of these hunts are. Um, you know, you have more people trying to hunt a limited resource out west, you know, elk, mule deer, stuff like that. And so this is where it starts getting a little bit more complicated. Um, but again, like you just need to slow down, take your time and do some research. So the first state I want to talk about out west is Colorado. I feel like it's one of the more popular ones, um, also one of the more straightforward ones. And so that's why I want to start there. Now, Colorado is what's called a true preference point system, which means basically whoever has the most points is the winner, gets the tag. So if you have 13 points and everybody else has 12 points, you get the tag. If there are 100 tags available and there are 95 people with 13 points, those first 95 people uh, who have 13 points will get the tags. And then the remaining five would go to the first five people with 12 points, so on and so forth. It works its way down. Now, there are pluses and minuses to this type of system. If you put in the time and you put in the work, you're basically guaranteed that tag eventually. One of the downsides of this system is a thing called point creep. And basically, the more people who put in for these same tags, the more points you need. You know, like in that situation I just said, let's say that 100 people put in for these tags and there's only 40 tags. Well, that means the next year, those 60 people will that didn't draw the tag will have another point the next year. And so instead of it, you needing, let's say, 12 points to draw that tag, those people are going to be drawing it with 13 points and so on and so forth. So... One advantage is, you know, you put in the time, the high man wins. One disadvantage is, again, you might have to put in the time because the high man wins. 
Um, they do have a little bit different system for, I think it's like moose, mountain goat, and I can't remember the third one. They have a little bit different preference point thing for them. I think it's they square. Well, I don't want to get into that right now. Um, but but overall, you know, most of this is gonna we're gonna focus on you know elk and mule deer. Um, yeah, for that it is a true preference point system. Um, time is almost up to get the points or, or to put in for a tag. They're March first to April sixth. Um, one kind of I would say downside, but one thing that uh, a lot of states do this in Colorado, Colorado does, you must buy a hunting license in order to buy a preference point. Now, one mistake I made one year that I don't want you guys to do, you do not have to buy a elk hunting license. I want to say that again. You do not have to buy a $650, whatever it is now, elk license to put in. The cheapest option you can do is they have a small, a non-resident small game license. Uh, I want to say it's around fifty dollars, and you have to put that in your on your in your online shopping cart, and you can then add a preference point. Um, if you try to take it out of your cart, it will also take the preference point out. It won't let you do that. Uh, you just have to buy the small game license and the preference point. So that's a true point system. And again, that was Colorado. All right, moving on. The next state I want to cover is Wyoming. And the reason I want to cover Wyoming is because they have a little bit different point system, one that I personally like a lot. Um, you can buy preference points in Wyoming from July 1st to November 2nd. That's one thing they do different is they have a much wider gap to buy points, and they do those points after the initial draw. The draw is from January 4th to June 1st. And so if you're actually trying to draw a tag, that's when you need to put in for it. And then preference points go on sale after that. Now, the way the Wyoming preference point system works is they have they split it basically into two draws for every tag. Twenty five percent of you know this is for whatever hunt you're looking at. Twenty five percent can go to anyone. So whether you have one point, whether you have five point, whether you have ten points, it doesn't matter. They put everybody's name in the hat. And they draw 25% of the tags. So if you have more points, you still have a better chance. But if you only have one point, you still at least have a chance. And so, you know, theoretically, you could put in for the first time for some crazy hunt and draw it your very first try. Now, again, they do that for 25% of the tags. After that 25%, they then go for the remaining 75%. <clears throat> they go back to a true draw system, just like Colorado, and so then high man wins. Now again, it it just it's kind of nice because if you put in for the time, you get more points, your chance goes up, but you still have that you know maybe a long shot, but you at least still have that chance of drawing some crazy tag every year. You know whether you have one point, two points, three points, you at least get a little chance at the beginning and. uh um, I think uh, I think their preference points cost like thirty to fifty dollars in Wyoming, and I don't believe you have to have a license. And so, uh, I want to say it's thirty dollars for antelope, forty for mule deer, and fifty for elk, roughly. And so, again, you know, fifty bucks, you got a chance to draw some crazy elk tag. And you know, you put in every year, your chances go up. So I really like Wyoming and how they do their system. It uh, it I don't know, it's just nice because you have some kind of chance. All right, on to the next one. 
Utah. And uh, I don't really know why I chose to talk about Utah. Uh, I just started getting points in there last year. Um, one kind of nice, there's like a little cheat code uh, in Utah that uh, maybe I shouldn't give away, but I will. You do have to have a license in order to buy a preference point in Utah. But the way their licenses work, um, instead of going by the year or you know, like September or whatever, like Texas does, um, they do it one year from the day you buy it. And so what you can do when you're, if you decide to get points in Utah, you can wait towards the end of the point season. You know, uh, there, I believe theirs are January 28th to March 4th. So you can wait till like, you know, March 1st or something. You can buy your license and buy your preference point. And then the following year, your license will still be valid. And so you can then basically you get to buy a second preference point with only using that one license. And so it just makes it a little cheaper, kind of a better bang for your buck. Um, one in other interesting thing that I want to bring up about Utah, Utah is a great example of looking for opportunities in odd places. Um, you know, like Utah, you can apply for moose, you can apply for mountain goat, you can even apply for bison in Utah. And so it's just like like when I think of Buffalo, I don't think of Utah. I don't know, just me personally, maybe you do, but I don't. Uh, and so it's just like a unique state where you got a ton of different things you can put in for in one random thing. Now again, you have you know you can't. It's not a buy one get all of them for free. Uh, you know you have to pay per tag per preference point. A lot of times those you know more specialized animals have a much higher price tag even on just the preference point. Uh, but it's just something to, cool to look into, um, and this kind of goes for any state. Like, again, I, I chose Utah. It didn't really matter that I chose Utah, but, you know, Montana has buffalo tags. Arizona has buffalo tags um, all over the place. And so, again, you really got to do some research in all these different states to figure out what you want. And, uh, you know, if you're if you're tied on cash like I am, you know, you might just need to pick one and stick with it. If you have all the money in the world, man, put in for every tag everywhere, you're eventually going to draw one. But, uh, you know, you need to do a lot of research. That's part of the reason I want to cover multiple states in this podcast is you need to do some research and narrow down kind of what you're after. So, all right. Now, I want to talk about New Mexico next. And the reason I want to talk about New Mexico is because New Mexico is what you call a true draw. And what that means is they do not have preference points. Uh, I believe Idaho is the same way. Um, I can't think of any others off the top of my head, but there is no preference point. So it's good and bad, again, depending on how you look at it. You know, you could draw some crazy tag the first time you ever put in for it. The downside is you could put in for that tag for 50 years and never draw it because they have no point system adding up. So your odds never increase or decrease over time. It doesn't matter. Uh, some people like that because they like the idea that they could draw it every time. Um, some people don't. Uh, I will say New Mexico is very good to their residents. Uh, they only reserve 6% of their tags for non-residents. Um, they do have another 10% that they do for resident, or I'm sorry, non-residents applying with a guide. So if you go with an outfitter, you have a little bit better uh, chance of getting it. Um, they also do landowner tags in New Mexico. So that's how a lot of outfitters run their business. Uh, they either own the land and they get tags, or they will purchase land landowner tags from other landowners that you know aren't going to use them. Uh, I will say that's also another cool way to get to hunt New Mexico. 
there are landowners who will just put their tags that they get from the state up for sale. Um, they can be fairly expensive or they can be fairly cheap. It just kind of depends on who the person is, what they have to offer, where they're at. You know, if they're in a trophy unit, they're probably going to be more expensive. If they're kind of off the beaten path, you might be able to get one a little cheaper. Um, and so that's something you can do some research online. You might be able to find some old farmer that lets you hang out on his place and, and hunt elk or mule deer or whatever. Uh, when I went, uh, I guess two years ago with my buddy in New Mexico, uh, that's what we did. Uh, the downside is, you know, his family controls 7,000 acres, but a lot of that is government leases and they actually only own like 300 acres. And so that's the thing about the landowner tag. You have to be on your private land it doesn't continue to leases it doesn't go on to other people um now it is good for any private land but you have to have their permission you can't just go you know hop the fence and go you have to have a written letter on your possession in order to hunt someone's private land but it is kind of a little workaround of the whole draw system um Let's see here. Yeah, I talked about there's no point creep in New Mexico because they don't have any uh, any uh, preference points. Um, so, yeah, that about covers New Mexico. And, again, that is called a true draw. Okay, we covered some western states. And before we move on, again, like I would really, really encourage you guys just pick one and spend an afternoon digging, <laughs> you know. Like I said before, sometimes it's hard to find all the information on these uh, state websites, but you can find it. There's also great resources online uh, that can help you out. They can help you with, you know, dates, prices. Um, there's all kinds of uh, services now you can pay for that, uh, you know, tell you draw odds for different um, different units and different animals and all that good stuff. So I would really encourage you guys to do some homework on your own. And that's really all it takes to get into this stuff is just digging in, picking one, and just going from there. And then slowly building over the years. That's what I've done. I now keep a spreadsheet on my computer to keep up with all the different hunts I'm putting in for, all the different tags, species, states, and all that good stuff. And so it's just kind of something you have to figure out over time. And there's never a better time to start than now. So, all right, I want to move on from the west just a little bit and bring it back east. Um, I want to talk about some some whitetail stuff and some eastern stuff. I want to talk about two of the main states for uh, whitetail draw hunts in the east. The first one we're going to talk about is Kansas, uh, our neighbors to the north. Uh, Kansas, again, just opened, uh, just like Oklahoma. They are open from April 1st to April 30th. And part of the reason I want to talk about Kansas Kansas is, one, it is a really easy state to draw as of now, from what I understand. Um, uh, I'm not going to say it's guaranteed that you get a tag, but it's a, there is a decent chance that the first time you put in for a deer tag in Kansas that you will draw it. Um, if you don't, from what I understand, it is almost guaranteed if you have a point that you will draw a tag. Um, they do have the preference point option too. I actually did that last year and got a preference point. And so going into this year, um, like I said, there's a very good chance that I should draw the tag. Uh, my wife and I were talking about it earlier today about whether I'm going to have the vacation time and the finances to actually go and hunt, but I'm really hoping to. Uh, after all is said and done, I believe it's about $550 to hunt Kansas uh, as a non-resident. Um, that's your your hunting license and tag. 
Um, the preference point that I bought last year was twenty six fifty. Um, one kind of interesting thing Kansas does is uh, with their mule deer tags. And so the way it works, if you want to hunt mule deer in Kansas, which are kind of limited to the western part of the state, you put in for the draw. And then if you basically also put in for the mule deer draw. And the way it works is if you draw a deer tag, quote deer tag, a whitetail tag, you are then put into the draw for a mule deer tag. And if you draw that, you then get a either species, either sex tag. And so first you have to draw, you know, I call it a deer tag, but it's really a whitetail tag. Um, you have to draw that and then you get put into a separate drawing for the mule deer tag. And I do believe you, they give you the option, like if you're really set on hunting mule deer, um, and you draw the whitetail, but then don't draw the mule deer. I do believe they give you the option to basically cancel out the whitetail tag and get a preference point so that you can try again the next year. Um, or you can just go hunt whitetail like I would do. So, um, the mule deer tag, it is an extra, you know, I, I said it was about 550. That is for whitetail. Um, there's an additional, I can't remember what it is, so I don't want to say it, but there is an additional price if you want to also hunt mule deer. And so just be aware of that little spendy. Um, but it is a cool thing. And if you're just kind of getting into the whole, you know, draw tag preference point thing, it's a pretty easy one because it's a very simple process. And again, from what I understand with one point, you should be able to draw the tag basically. So, so Kansas is kind of the easy one. Uh, the next one I want to talk about Kind of the big one in the whitetail world is good old Iowa. So Iowa opens up on May 1st, runs through June 6th, and kind of like a lot of the western states, uh, it's broken up into different hunt zones. So uh, Kansas is broken into different hunt zones, but it's not like you don't need different amounts of points for the different zones. It's You're pretty much even across the board. Uh, Iowa is very, very different though. Um, kind of in the northwest uh, corner of Iowa, it's much easier to draw. As you move southeast, it gets much harder to draw. Um, I, I have in my notes here, uh, last year in Zone 1, uh, only 177 people applied for non-residents applied for tags in Zone 1. Uh, down in the southeast corner in Zone 5, almost 3,000 people applied for that unit. Um and uh, from my notes here, it takes basically five or six points to draw that uh, zone five tag. And so you may have to put in for five to six years before you get hunt deer in southeast Iowa. So, uh, man, it's it's a tough one. Like, it's it's kind of like the Mecca, you know, or at least everybody calls it that. I haven't got to do it yet. I am building points. I hope to do it someday. But it's hard for me to talk about it too much because I haven't got to do it. Um, but man, basically Iowa does a really, really good job of taking care of their resident hunters. And that's why it's so hard. Like if you're an Iowa resident, um, I believe you get two tags per year. Um, you get an archery tag. And then I believe once shotgun season opens later in the year, you can then get a second tag. Um, it is different than Oklahoma. Like you don't just get two tags at the beginning of the season. You have to wait for that deadline. 
And then I believe uh, if you are a landowner, you know, if you have a certain size land, you can then also get a landowner tag. So there are certain guys with big farms who can get three buck tags every year. Um, can't do that if you're a non-resident. You just get the one. And again, you are limited to the zone that you draw. The preference points are $50. You don't have to buy a license or anything. Flat fee of $50. Um, but again, if you're wanting to hunt like the best area, you know, you might have to wait six years, six years, which is, you know, that's 300 bucks. Um, and I, I do believe there is some point creep in Iowa. And so it's not like you can start today and in five years, you're guaranteed to draw that tag, you know, in five years, it may be up to seven, eight points, who knows? So that's one of the, the downsides. Uh, one thing I would say about Iowa is, uh, I feel like there's a lot of people missing out in that middle zone, you know, those three and four point zones. Uh, again, I don't live there. I don't know that, but it just seems to me like just because you drive across a road doesn't mean that the deer jump 40 inches in size, you know? Um, and so that's something that I've kind of been struggling with. How long do I want to wait? Do I want to try to go for it all? Do I want to just go and experience it? Um, Another thing I would say, uh, one thing that I've heard is Iowa has very little public land. Um, I want to say it's like 3% public land. And so if you do invest all this time and you do draw that tag, um, you could be very, very limited with where you get to hunt after that big, long investment. And so, I don't know, maybe you're super hardcore and you can go up there the year before you think you're going to draw and talk to some landowners or something like that, but... Um, yeah, that's one thing about Iowa. Like it is, it is intense. Like you could put in for a long time and be bombarded by hunters. Uh, you know, most myself included, like if I put this much time and effort into it, like I want to go to a prime spot during a prime time, but so does everybody else. Um, and so that's another thing to consider when you're going to go. Um, yeah, so so that's kind of the eastern portion. Again, there are more tags in the east. Those are kind of the two big whitetail ones, so that's why I wanted to cover them. Uh, one thing, one state uh, I did want to cover a little bit that I have no experience with is Alaska. Uh, Alaska does their draw in a, at a completely different time than everybody else. I believe theirs opens in November. Uh, most of the other states are all in the springtime, sometime between January and June. Um, Alaska does most of theirs in November. Uh, part of the reason I have never put in for tags in, uh, Alaska, which there are plenty, there are tons of different hunts all over the place. Uh, but part of the reason I've never put in for it is because even if I drew the tag, I'm not sure I could afford the hunt, <laughs> at least at this point in my life. Um, you know, you have to do a lot of research on what tag you're putting in for. And, you know, if some of those moose tags or mountain goat tags or something like that, not only are you going to have to fly to the state of Alaska, you then might also have to get on a float plane or a small plane to get flown somewhere else. And, you know, you might have to schedule that way in advance. You might have to schedule getting gear dropped off. Um, you have to get whatever you kill out. You have to get whatever you kill home. You know, if you go up there and shoot a giant moose, how are you going to get that meat home? Um, and again, also just the expense, you know, the airfare, the gear, you know, most likely if you live in Oklahoma, you might not have the gear you need to survive for 
10 to 14 days in Alaska. And so it is just, it's a really big investment of both money and time. And so that's why I personally have not looked into it that hardcore. I guess I'm still just hoping that I win the lottery someday and I can afford to pay a whole bunch of money to some outfitter to do all that stuff for me. Um, but man, it is the land of opportunity. Uh, lots of game, lots of different species, lots of different areas. Um, you know, Alaska is, is ginormous. It's basically as big as the whole Western United States in, in and of itself. And so, so yeah, lots of opportunity there. Um, again, I've never done it, so I didn't want to go into depth with it. Uh, but something really cool, uh, to check out. And the main thing I wanted to point out was just that it's at a different time of year because I did look into it a little bit last year and was very thrown off. And then when this November came around, basically, like I said, I just, after doing some more research, I personally am just not ready to, uh, jump on that grenade. So. Uh, I do want to talk about one last state. Um, this one might surprise you a little bit, but uh, I want to talk about Texas uh, because, one, it's close. But, two, man, there are a ton of draw options in Texas. And I, I just realized, like, even though I, I grew up there and have family there, like, I never realized until about two years ago you can put in for alligator tags, odd tags, uh, orcs. Uh, mule deer, you can put in for like bighorn sheep, <laughs> all kinds of crazy stuff. And they're very affordable. Um, I've, I've tried to draw a few, uh, mule deer tags and, uh, I want to say it's like $7 per entry or something like that. And so super cheap, uh, very close, very doable. Um, you know, one nice thing is like, it's, easily in driving distance, most of it, you know, from Oklahoma, unlike the Alaska thing, it's basically the opposite of that. You know, I feel like it's, it's a, you can, you can get that sense of adventure, but at a much more working man's price. And so that's part of the reason I wanted to throw uh, Texas out there. Um, you don't need a license to apply. Like I said, you know, you can, you could put in for one Havelina hunt or something, seven bucks, you're good to go. Um, you know, I think this would be a cool one for kids. Um, you know, if you have a, a five-year-old running around or something, start putting in for these hunts. I'm not, they might have, might have a minimum age. I probably should have looked into that, but, um, you know, start building points for, uh, for your young one. You know, maybe that'd be a cool graduation present for high school or something. Um, and that goes for a lot of these other Western states too. Uh, some of them do have a minimum age. Uh, I think I saw, I don't remember which state it was, but one of them, I don't think you're allowed to start putting into tags, um, until you're 10 and you're not allowed to draw until you're 11. So like you could get one preference point and then start putting in for tags. Um, but man, that's something I've really thought about doing for my kids and probably not all, like, I don't want to put in for as many hunts as I put in for myself. One, because I don't have that much money too i don't know i can't there's no guarantee my kid's going to be in to hunting but i have thought about picking like one species in one state and basically putting in uh you know preference points you know it'd be cool like graduation present or something like i said or um you know maybe after they graduate from high school so anyway that's my plug i do have a few random notes here down at the bottom i want to cover real quick um the the main one is uh however many let's say you do some research and it says, you know, five points will draw you this tag. That doesn't necessarily mean that five points will 
draw you that tag. And that goes both ways. Like you, it could be more, it could also be less, you know, one thing that happened. And I think it's happening more now that you have all these sites giving people advice on what tags they should be putting in for. Um, you know, this site says that, Hey, you need seven points to draw this tag. Well, then there's a whole bunch of people that don't have seven points that don't try to draw it. And maybe all the people with seven points are holding out for a better tag. And so you have instances where people are drawing these, you know, quote, seven point units with four points because just, oh, you know, they're like, oh, well, I have to have seven to put in. But the, the person who tries it draws it. And then you also have instances where a website says, you know, you need four points to draw this. Well, thousands of people that have four points are like, oh, well, I'll put in for that one. And it ends up you need six or seven points to draw it. And so... I, like I said, you know, these sites are great and I think they're great for kind of pointing you in a, in a direction, but you can't necessarily bet your life on them uh, because there's just so much fluctuation. And like, and again, I think these websites are causing more of that fluctuation. Um, you know, we, we went to Idaho two years ago and uh, it wasn't a draw, you know, it was just an over the counter hunt. And uh, we had done some research and we listened to one of these sites on this area that we thought would be good, and we were overrun with people. And I guarantee you it's because there was tons of other people on that same site reading the same stuff that we were, and they all decided to go to this unit. And so, again, these sites are great. They're great for pointing you. They have a lot of information, but just don't bet the farm on what you read on some website. There's one last point system I want to cover before we go. I don't have a great example of a state that uses this. I'm pretty sure Colorado uses it for like moose and mountain goat. Uh, a, a lot of times this is for the more rare stuff. Uh, and that is the squared point system. And so basically what happens in a squared system is your points grow the more you get. And so just like, you know, squared is multiple times or whatever that number is. Um, let's say you have 10 points in a squared system. Instead of giving you 10 entries, that might give you 100 entries. And again, you know, different states are, are different with how much they multiply, or how many more you get. Um, but it's just a way to get your name in the hat even more times. And again, that's usually for more rare stuff. Um, some states do it for elk i believe but usually it happens like after you get to say 10 points so like your first 10 will be normal and then every point you have after that will be squared um and so again i i, I don't have 10 points anywhere or i haven't tried to go for mountain goat or anything so i haven't rented that personally so um but it is a thing so i just want you guys to be aware of it um but the last thing i can say about uh tags and preference points kind of like i said before is just a lot of it is just doing the research. You know, I hope you guys can use this podcast to kind of get started. Um, you don't just have to look into the states that I named. Um, you know, Montana. Montana is a lot like Wyoming uh, with a lot of things. Uh, Arizona is a great state. Um, you know, one big thing that I didn't mention that I probably should have at the beginning is you have your, you know, quote, opportunity states, and then you have your trophy states. And so Colorado, Montana, a lot of a lot of the northern states really are what you call opportunity states. And so they offer a lot of tags because they have bigger herds, uh, but you might not get the quality of animals. And then a lot of the, you know, down south is where you have a lot of the trophy states. 
Arizona, Nevada, Utah. Uh, I believe New Mexico is considered a trophy state. And that's where you're going to have a lot harder time drawing a tag, but you might get to chase a much bigger animal. Um, uh, yeah, it, like I said, it, it, it may take you a lot longer to draw that tag, but it's one of those things that if you do draw it, you have a very good chance of killing, you know, like a, a record book type animal. So, so that's one thing to consider. Um, you know, maybe a good compromise is you pick one opportunity that you might get to hunt, you know, every three to five years, and then you pick one trophy unit that you might not get to hunt until you're 60. <laughs> so it's all up to you. You just need to get out there and do your homework. Woo! Can you guys believe that I just talked about <laughs> tags and points for like almost 40 minutes? <laughs> that just proves how much there is out there and uh, how much research there is to do. So I can't uh, encourage you guys enough to get out there and do some, even if it's just looking into the good old Oklahoma uh, controlled hunts. You know, go for your once-in-a-life elk tag, your antelope tag, all that good stuff. I'm going to put, be putting in for it. Uh, one thing I should have mentioned with Oklahoma, they also added a new thing this year called Point Guard, and I believe it's only $5.00. And basically what happens if you draw a tag and are then unable to use the tag, um, you don't lose all your points in the tag and everything. So if you draw that once-in-a-lifetime elk tag and something comes up to where you can't go, I believe it's up until the day of the hunt or like the day before you can say, hey, I can't go, and they <clears throat> will give you back all your points and you don't lose your once-in-a-lifetime tag. So. So definitely something to look into, especially on those once-in-a-lifetime hunts. Uh, yeah, get out there, get on the website, and do some research. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope this was helpful. I'd love to hear some feedback from you guys on social media or email, whatever it is, Instagram, Facebook. Check me out. Yeah, I had a really good time doing this. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you it was you know something you guys could understand and follow along with and something that interest, interested you. Last thing before I go, happy Easter, everybody. I know Easter has passed by the time you listen to this, but I hope you took time to slow down, spend some time with the family, and just remember what Christ did for us. He sent his son down here to live a perfect life and die on the cross for all of our sins. Very important. Don't forget that. If you have any questions on that, feel free to hit me up on social media or email, and I'd love to talk to, to you about it more. So happy Easter, everybody, guys. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time.